Hello and welcome to the first Loved and Lost podcast, a project that invites people to explore their personal stories of loss. Each person is invited to find a family photograph of themselves with someone who's passed away. We then return to the location of that photograph together to restage the photograph and afterwards we find somewhere to sit down and talk. Everyone's story of loss is unique. There's no right or wrong way to deal with it. But the thing that's helped me the most is to talk about it. Thank you for tuning in to the first of series one of the Loved and Lost podcast. My name is Simon Bray, creator of Loved and Lost, a project I started after I lost my dad to prostate cancer. I wanted to find a way to talk about my loss and in the process encourage others to talk about their grief and give them a chance to celebrate the people that they've lost. Each show will feature one person telling their story and sharing what it was like to take part in the project. It's never easy to hear people talk about loss, but my hope is that listening to the stories of others will go some way in breaking down the social taboo of discussing our grief. Loss can be emotionally draining and confusing. It can often feel like there's no best way to process everything. But I hope that hearing how others have navigated that path will offer you strength in the midst of wherever you are on that journey. Today's podcast features Paul, who I met in southwest London to restage a photograph of himself as a baby in his father's arms, one of the only photographs he has of him and his dad. It was quite an emotional day, a journey back to Paul's childhood, knocking on the door of the house he lived in as a boy, hoping that we'd be invited into the garden to restage the photograph. Paul shares the story of our day together, as well as the tragic circumstances in which he lost his dad how he holds on to the precious few memories he has, and how his experience of loss has shaped him into the gentle and generous man he is today. I'll be back at the end to let you know how to find out more about Paul's story and how you could participate in the project yourself. But for now, I'll leave Paul to introduce himself and tell you about the photograph that we restaged for the project. Uh, My name is Paul Clements, and the photo was taken originally in a... A road called Bridal Path in Beddington in Surrey of my of me and my father my father holding me in the garden and it was taken by my auntie Valerie who is still alive and it was taken on Code Chrome 64 which is a very magical film which I really really like and it was such a surprise to come across that photo because it was only found about 10 years ago obviously I don't remember the photo being taken but because the uh, photo is so kind of lifelike and very realistic it was like it was taken yesterday so in a way I the, that memory of the photo has been implanted in, in my memory and I just appreciate it for the quality and the light and I'm with my dad and I'm holding his finger with my hand which I can which I still look at and remember the times that my father was holding me and my hand was holding onto his onto his finger um, so it's quite evocative and it's a really precious memory because I don't really have much left physically of my father at all. I just have a few photos and a, a watch and that's it really. So it's a very precious photo for me. The setting of the photograph is in the back garden of the house that we shared with my grandparents, my mother, and my father and me. And it was taken in June 1963 on a lovely summer's day. And it looks so 
happy and uh, hopeful looking towards the future. Obviously that future didn't work out for us, but it's just a very precious memory. Going back today was really special because we approached the present owner of the house and he was obviously a little bit suspicious of us initially, but invited us into the back garden where the original photo was taken. And as I was standing against the wall uh, to have my photograph taken, the, the rear door was open and it was there was these evocative smells coming from the house as well as music that would have been played in 1963 from Frank Sinatra and Andy Williams. And it was just the whole evocative smell of being back there. And I found it a really, uh, it was really precious to be there, to stand in the same place that my father stand, stood in holding me. But it was just so evocative. And it was just so lovely as I, I was looking through the back door, just looking at features within the house. And I noticed one of the doors was obviously an original uh, part of the house when it was built in the 1920s or 30s. It was a very Art Deco panel door with a, a glass part in it as well. And as I was looking in, the man, John, who owns the house now, said uh, to me, um, you'd like to go in, wouldn't you? And I said, oh, yes, please. And he said, well, you can't. And he was obviously just pulling my leg. And he invited us into the house, and it was just... It was something I've always wanted to do, and to go into the house itself and be part of it was just like coming home in a way but it was just so evocative especially as i said with the with the music and and especially the smells of of home cooking and it just very felt a very very safe place to be in even though it's not my house anymore you know it was it was a very special experience my father was a welder he worked in purley which is now there was a a power station there which is now the the, the ikea in purley had the opportunity to move to south africa uh, to carry on that job at a better paid rate so he took that opportunity and those photographs were like taken before we left and uh, so we moved to South Africa in mid-summer of 1963 and we moved to Johannesburg and my father settled into his job very naively not really knowing about what the situation was like in South Africa but um, he soon found out what was happening and became very upset by it and started he joined a trade union and was getting quite upset about the political situation and getting involved with local politics. And by the end of November 1964, uh, my mother and I came back to England to visit my her parents, my grandparents, just before Christmas. And we were going to stay for Christmas, then go back to South Africa in the January. But unfortunately, my father was, was killed in Johannesburg in our flat while we were away. The, um, the front door was smashed in and some of the furniture was misplaced and broken. There was a cabinet that had the glass broken and my father was, was unfortunately shot and killed on the premises. The incident was, in, was investigated by the South African police force who unfortunately decided that it was a suicide, which was shocking to obviously my mum and uh, her parents and her brothers and sisters couldn't believe what was happening but were in no position to investigate the situation but because my father was put down on the in the post-mortem and also the death certificate as committing suicide that meant that any monies that or insurance was was null and void so we were left practically destitute in London 
and for the next few years we we moved between people's houses sleeping on their settees and on spare beds and everything while my mum worked and I was still young and I was going to school and there was aunties and uncles who stepped in to pick me up from school but my mum had about two or three jobs a day just to keep us going really and uh, so it was it was quite tough but it, you know as a kid I, did, I thought it was great because I was playing with all my cousins and moving around different houses and everything while my mum was working flogging herself on three jobs a day uh, my mother then was fortunate to meet a, a another man who was very very kind and she married him and he became my stepfather and I had you know from then on I had a, the best childhood ever uh, I had you know adventure playgrounds to play at Ashdown Forest uh, near Crawley where I where I lived to play in the woods and be completely mischievous as a young boy you know from that n really bad negative thing that happened with my father you know 1964 there was a real positive came from it and, you know, if he was around, he'd be so happy to see, you know, what, what my life turned out like and, you know, the beautiful children and the lovely wife I now have. I think, yeah, losing my dad has made me very humble and appreciative of life and other people. And I think it's made me a lot more tolerant of people who are in worse situations. Uh, and so I do tend to be... Uh, quite kind to other people really and you know I take them on face value and I don't try to judge people as I can um, so that's you know and that's why I try to tell my children as well that photograph is the photograph you know um, I've got, I have another one framed with my mother and me and that one my mother's still around so the one with my father is is very precious to me in the photo where I'm holding his hand, I'm holding his, one of his fingers, a little finger or something, with my left hand, and I can look at my left hand and think, you know, that I held my father in that hand one day. Retaking the photograph, I um, initially I, I thought I would be a bit upset and uh, a bit sad about it, but I found it made me really happy. I felt so secure and comfortable, and I just felt like I'd come home it was just really strange and those smells that were coming from the house and the evocative music that was being played you know the Frank Sinatra and Andy Williams it was just like time traveling almost really and it was just really therapeutic it just felt so good and so happy you know and I'm going to remember my dad to the day I die he will always be with me um, and I can't wait, you know, to meet him eventually. You know, and that's going to be a special day. You know, I love him very much and I miss him a lot. And I wish he was here with me now, you know. But, he, you know, he knows I've had a great life and I've got beautiful children. So he'd be very proud of that. And I always say to my mum, you know, what, what, would, what, what would Dad say about Reese or Dylan? You know, would he love them? Would he be proud of them? And she just cries and says, of course he would. He'd absolutely love them to bits and spoil them like all grandparents do. You know, away from their parents. That's what grandparents are for, to be naughty to their grandchildren and give them sweets and things they shouldn't eat. So he would love to be in that position to do that. And, you know, but I know, you know, he's with us. So, And as I said, and I keep on saying he lives on through me and my children. And that's a real positive from a really bad negative. So... Um, that's a really good thing. 
Thank you so much to Paul for sharing his story. I know both how hard but also how significant that day was for Paul. It was very special to be part of it and share it with him. You can see the photographs and read his story on the project website at lovedandlostproject.co.uk, which also features all the other stories from the project. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Paul's story and please get in touch to share your own stories, how you've navigated this difficult journey of loss. You can get in touch on Facebook at Loved and Lost Project, Twitter at Loved and Lost Pro, or through the project website, lovedandlostproject.co.uk. You'll also find information there about how you can take part in the project by restaging your own photographs. Everything you need to know is on the participate page. Thank you again for taking the time to listen. And please feel free to share the podcast with friends, family, and anyone you think might benefit from hearing it. I'll be back next time with another story from the Loved and Lost Project. Until then, take good care of yourself.